You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hello, listeners. Do you love this show? Are you thinking to yourself, man, it's so great that Holly gets all this free content for us to enjoy. I wonder if there's any way that I can support her and help her to create even better content. Well, you can. And I'm going to actually give you something in return for your support. By joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. Not only will you be supporting this independent endeavor, which is my podcast, but you will also get all kinds of super cool perks that are available exclusively to members of my Patreon. That means that you will be able to watch my interviews live as they happen and therefore access them way before everybody else does. You will also be able to get signed prints from my guests You'll be able to access exclusive bonus content such as My LA Porn Life, the podcast that I do with my production manager, Eva, as well as some exclusive interviews that I do on set with some of the biggest stars in the industry. There's so much at my Patreon for you to enjoy, and I would absolutely love it if you would just go give it a peek, see if it might be worth couple bucks for you to support the show that you love so much. So go to patreon.com slash Holly Randall unfiltered. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Holly Randall unfiltered. Hi, I'm Holly Randall and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Today, my guest is Stacey Isidro, a certified sex coach with over 10 years of experience. She specializes in tantric sex coaching, which is a meditative form of sex that combines sex and spirituality, focusing on moving sexual energy throughout the body. This kind of practice is used to treat both erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation by getting you in touch with your deeper sexual self and sweeping away the mind clutter of expectations and performance anxiety. Stacey also focuses on sex and sobriety, helping those who have recently overcome drug and alcohol abuse to reintroduce themselves to sex in their new sober skin. This is a great interview that explores the mind-body connection in a way that I haven't really done before, so I think you're going to really enjoy it. So let's welcome the sexually enlightened Stacy Isidro. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holly Randall Unfiltered. Today, I have sex coach and founder of Holistic Progressions, Stacy Isidro. Stacy, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. 
So Stacy, uh, you are somebody who works extensively with people who are having issues with uh, premature ejaculation, erectile dysfunction. You talk a lot about um, sex and sobriety, which is a personal interest to me because for my audience who knows my story, they know that I'm a recovering alcoholic. So anything centered around sobriety is always something that I'd love to talk about. But before we get into all of that stuff, give us a little bit of background on you. How did you get started working um, in the industry that you work in? Okay. So I started off as a cosmetologist, actually. And as I was going through that career, I got a certification in business and life coaching. And I was using that in our salon with our staff and our employees And going through that process, they make you like define your niche and everything pointed towards spirituality and sexuality. So I was like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Like, what does that even mean? Like, what is that out about? So um, I decided that I wanted to go into sex coaching. And so I started doing all of these classes and workshops and mentoring with um, Tantra practitioners and um, sexological body workers because spirituality and sexuality or sacred sexuality is Tantra. And so I started doing that. I actually even went and got a certification in sex coaching And then I more recently got another certification uh, called the Erotic Blueprints. And that's a certification from Jaya, who's a world-renowned sex educator. And I had followed her for years uh, because she comes from a Tantra background as well. So that's kind of, you know, the short story of how I got into sex coaching. Um, I think the most exciting part is that... um, I've gotten to work with a lot of people hands-on and in person over the last 12 years. And now I work with people a lot online. Uh, But yeah, that was totally like my first uh, like niche and thing that I noticed was in the tantric practices, there's a lot of um, tools for premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction and Um, cultivating your own orgasmic energy and running that through you and sharing that with someone else. Um, So yeah, that was pretty exciting. Can you tell us a little bit more about Tantra and what exactly goes into that? Um, I'd be really interested to hear about how you merge sexuality and spirituality. So Tantra is it's way more than just about sex. It's like, it's a spiritual path. So Western culture tends to say, Oh, look, it has sexual practice. So it means that you have sex for hours. And, um, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, Tantra means like to weave and it is a, uh, spiritual path. Like I said, we believe that orgasmic energy is the life force energy that flows through us and makes us alive. So this is energy that you can tap into in different areas of your life. Like when you're doing something you really love or like a hobby, or even if it's like a job and you are really passionate about it or spending time with someone you really enjoy, all of that is orgasmic energy. However, sexual orgasmic energy is the deepest, most powerful, most transformational, um, 
potent form of that energy that we can access. And that energy is connects us into our bodies and into spirit or the universe, whatever you want to call it. And it's also the deepest, most powerful way that we can connect with somebody else and experience um, altered states of consciousness or um, um, yeah, non-ordinary states of consciousness. We can experience healing and transformation, a spirit uh, experience of transcendence and deep connection, mystical type experiences. Um, there's also practice around multiple orgasms and what I know when men hear that they think like, Oh, I'm going to ejaculate eight times in a row. Like when I was 18 and that's not what that means. Um, in Tantra, the orgasmic energy, that's your orgasm. The ejaculation is simply a physical manifestation of some orgasmic energy, like basically shooting out your cock. So in Tantra, we teach men to separate the ejaculation from the orgasm and to cultivate that orgasmic energy that's flowing through them so they can experience multiple orgasm and waves of orgasm and extended orgasm, heightened orgasm that is separate from their ejaculation. Because biologically, like once you ejaculate, you go into refractory period, which is where that dip in the energy comes from. So to extend that, we separate them. I had an ex-boyfriend who had a tantric massage in Europe, I think. And he talked about what an incredible experience it was and how it was this woman never even touched his penis. And somehow he was able to have these multiple orgasms that were different from his usual orgasms. And a lot of it was about breath. So if I was to go into a, a tantric massage, what usually happens? That will absolutely depend on your practitioner. <laughs> um, and a lot of times uh, it is, there's breathing techniques. Um, there's different movement and muscle control that's involved. Um, I always start with people doing some talking about this because yeah, a lot of people just want to go in and have this experience done to them, quote unquote. And Tantra is about like creating an experience together. And if you're stuck in a performance mentality around sex and you think that it's all about penetration and ejaculation, you're not open to experiencing that energy in the first place. So I would imagine that like, that person was highly energetic to begin with. And um, so they're very open to that. Um, some people are not very energetic and they're very much in like a sexual blueprint, which is all about penetration and nudity and genital contact and have the orgasm and ejaculation and be done, which is great. And it can also um, shut you off from experiencing all of this other energetic um, blissfulness that's out there. So yeah, one, I talked to people a little bit about the concepts and then I teach them some breathing techniques. And usually I work with people over a period of time. So in the past I'd found that when I just went straight into hands-on like body work, that um, they could experience like a little bit 
of what I'm talking about, but they don't really get a full experience because they're not practicing at home. Like they're not practicing the breathing techniques. They don't know how to do it. They don't know what it is. And they don't even understand that their orgasm isn't their ejaculation. So it's just all like, basically it's like a rub and a tug at that point, because you're just getting a massage with some happy ending thing. And that's not what Tantra is about. You know, it's about all of the senses and experiencing, yeah, energetic orgasm and connection and transcendence. So then might it be a journey that begins with just like breath work and some kind of spiritual counseling? So when somebody first comes to see you, you may not, there may be no touching at all. Yeah. And then something that, that you build up to. Yeah, that's what I found where I have the most success with people that are actually interested in learning about the practice on a deeper level um, rather than just um, having something done to them or doing something to someone else. Like when people are in that mentality, then it's really hard to, um, to you know, I can't make someone open up to an energetic experience if they're not in touch with their own body and their own energy, which most people aren't because a lot of us live stuck in our head. And if you, if I say, how are you feeling? Most people will say what they're thinking or they'll say, oh, I'm happy. I'm like, great. What does that feel like in your body? I just, I'm happy. Right. But there's body sensations associated with emotions and um, body sensations come up with thoughts. And most people are so disconnected from their bodies that they don't even know what's going on there. They're living in their head and they're stuck in their head. So a lot of what I do, it's like working with people to get out of their head and step into their bodies to experience sensation and pleasure. And a lot of people also are desensitized, you know, talking about um, erectile dysfunction. And, um, you know, I've worked with people that, that can't, experience an ejaculation or an orgasm and people that experience it very quickly, you know, and this is all about our, how much pleasure can you tolerate and how sensitive is your body? A lot of people are numbed out. So whether it's from their own repeated touch and their own way that they handle their body and like a pattern they get themselves into that has to be broken, or it could be like substances are numbing them out from their body. And so there's not sensation there. So yeah, all this kind of spreads out into all of these areas. So would somebody, is this helpful in a way like therapeutic for maybe somebody who experienced sexual trauma? Like, have you had people that have used it kind of help them reconnect with their body? Because a lot of times sexual trauma can definitely remove you from your body and people become disconnected during sex? Yes. Um, I personally don't work a lot with um, severe trauma. Everybody has some type of trauma, but body work absolutely can help release stored um, energy and trauma in your body. Um, If you've read the book, The Body Keeps Score, it explains it very well. But basically, our body stores emotional energy inside of it. And especially when there's been a lot of sexual trauma, there can be a lot of pain during sex, or um, like you said, just not being sensitive, um, being disconnected, disconnection from the body because you're going into a trauma response. 
So yeah, yeah, sexological body work is really focused on that. It's so interesting how y- your body does behave in certain ways, depending on what emotions that you're feeling. I remember when I was married to my ex-husband and I was very unhappy and wanted to get out of the marriage and was having difficulty removing myself. And uh, I went and saw my doctor because I was having pain when we were having sex. And um, he, you know, checked me out. There was nothing wrong with me. And I was like, well, why am I having pain? He's like, do you like your husband? (laughs) And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, because if you're unhappy, that might be it. And that like blew my mind. The fact that like my body could be rejecting him in, in that way. And like for me to have pain that I'd never had before, because it was somebody that I wasn't happy with was just such a, a mind blowing thought. And I, I haven't had it with anybody else. Yeah. And also different sensations and different parts of your body can evoke a, tra- a trauma response. So like I had an experience one time where we were experimenting with different um, sensation items and it sent me, I'd never experienced it before. I've seen it happen and held space for people that it's happening to, but to be on the other side of that and experience like a trauma response from a a sensation was like, it was really um, like, I don't know. It was just, it was shocking. And like, what the hell is this? Like, I didn't think there was a trauma, but it was like, it was like a wave of, I felt like the weight of every, every time that I overrode my body's like natural consent and said yes to something that I was really a no to, it was like all of that flooded into me and in my nervous system. And it took me a while to process that. So yeah, a lot of stuff can come up through sensation and body work, but that surfaced because it was a safe space for me to heal that, you know? So then I went into some grounding and was able to, you know, eventually move through that experience, but it can be um, kind of shocking when your body is doing something that you are like, why is it doing that? You know, why am I having this pain or why am I having this flooding of memories or this response or, So yeah, there is absolutely energy stored in our body and that gets released through breath and movement and sound, which is a lot of the Tantra practices too, because we need to start moving this energy and healing this before we can really connect deeply to our pleasure and like our true yes and our true no. Mm. What kind of people usually come to you for help? Like what, what is the most common concern issue that your clients tend to be experiencing and what are they looking to get out of uh, coaching with you? So I tend to say I'm the queen of the existential crisis (laughs) because it's like people get to a place in their life where they feel like um, maybe they've checked all the boxes off on paper but they're still unhappy and unfulfilled and it's usually showing up in some way sexually. Um, so I've had people that said they're addicted to porn, they're addicted to phone sex, they're, um, you know, doing the compulsive sexual behavior or people that are on the opposite end of that spectrum and so shut down and scared they won't even focus on sex or a relationship. So on either side, it's, it's a, um, 
a a use of sexual energy that is not beneficial to them. And they want to learn how to connect with themselves and rediscover themselves. And that's kind of why I say it's like the existential crisis, because you get to a point where it's like, who am I and what am I here for? And what is this about? Like if sex isn't just penetration, then what else is it? How come this isn't working anymore for me? You know, or why am I, I avoiding this or why am I seeking this to my detriment? Like what's going on? You know, um, so there's general, generally like a lack of fulfillment and a lack of pleasure and purpose in their lives that's showing up through sex. And uh, again, a lot of times in recovery, it's like we're rediscovering ourselves. We're re-remembering ourselves. We're redefining ourselves. So I love that because it's that pivotal point to where you, you realize like, okay, I'm not who I was. And what, you know, what I did in the past doesn't define me. So who am I today and who am I going to choose to be today? And the sexuality is the piece that people often do not explore and discover because there's so much stigma around it and shame and guilt, you know? So it's like, yeah, I'm really confident, but like I have shame around sex. So it's like, there's, you're not in wholeness yet. So people want to step into wholeness and be fully expressed and fully loved and fully accepted. And Mm. that starts with us first. Yeah. I mean, sex is definitely usually when people are dealing with whatever um, existential crisis that they're having or midlife crisis or whatever you might be dealing with the idea of exploring like your sexual side, I feel like is the last thing that people think about, you know, they, they, they need to talk about whatever their personal problems at home are, or like I need to get in shape or eat better. And, and nobody ever thinks about that one side of us, which is such an incredibly influential and strong drive in all of us, but we just never want to talk about it. We never want to face, face that, think about it. It's because of what you said, this, the stigma. Yeah. And human beings are sexual beings from conception until death. Um, that is after all how we procreate. So you can't desexualize a human being at any age. Like children have appropriate stages of sexual development that they go through and adults have a sexual journey up until we, you know, up until we die. So this is such a fundamental part of being a human being. And it's totally the last frontier of personal growth and development. I get a lot of people that have done all this personal growth and development, but they haven't tackled this yet. And I encourage people to actually start there because the shifts and changes that happen on that journey to wholeness through sexuality extrapolate into all areas of your life. And you do start making more money. You find a great relationship or improve the one that you have. Your family relationships get better. Your friendships get better. You learn how to rest. You learn, you know, it's, it just flows out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's a big part of our lives that so many of us get stuck in. So we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to talk about how Stacy works with men with premature ejaculation and also uh, ED issues as well. So hang tight. We'll be right back. 
Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped. We are in the thick of winter and storms a-brewin'. It looks like one to three inches are in the forecast when you trim that hibernation bush that's been taking place in your pants. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped specialize in products to make sure you're walking around town with beautiful snowballs. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Their electric trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0, has ceramic blades and advanced skin safe technology so any snags on your snowballs will be greatly reduced. The trimmer is also waterproof, so you can trim in the shower or jacuzzi if you're a savage. You can get it all in the performance package, which comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag. This bundle also comes with a Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. And while you're at it, check out all their other products, such as cologne, foot deodorant, and so much more. When you're cuddling with that special someone in front of the fire, don't let your hairy balls give you cold feet this winter. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOLLY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code H-O-L-L-Y at manscaped.com. All right, guys, we are back. So Stacy, I know that you work with men who have premature ejaculation or the opposite problem, um, erectile dysfunction and like I'd mentioned before, my audience is largely male. And I know that this is an issue that a lot of guys have concern over. So how do you manage those issues? So the first thing that needs to be ruled out is like biological stuff. Um, So if there's any medical condition that's like physically inhibiting like blood flow or, um, You know, sometimes people with prostate issues um, like cancer. So there could be an actual medical condition going on. So I always encourage people to check that first. Um, Then, again, with biology, look at the medications that you're taking. A lot of people are on antidepressants and that messes with your ability to experience orgasm, ejaculation. It messes with your erections. Um, blood pressure medication will mess with erections. So if you take a a look at what medications you're on, chances are there's going to be some sexual side effects with those. So um, if you're not on any of those and still having some challenges, usually then it's like in your head. So we start there. So after all of the biological stuff is taken care of and addressed, Um, Then we start to look at, you know, some of the mental and emotional, um, spiritual elements, energetic elements that are going on. Um, Some people are actually really sensitive to like EMF stuff as far as like computers and lights. um, And we are constantly in like this energetic sphere of, you know, all this computer stuff all over the place. And if you are actually sensitive to that, that can mess with your, um, with your erection. It could mess with your sex drive. Um, also like getting your hormones checked is very good too. Um, I know like air fresheners, artificial air fresheners and, um, certain things like soy will produce, um, more estrogen in men, which can also affect their testosterone levels and their erections. 
Um, so yeah, looking at diet, looking at your environment, you know, um, maybe go towards like oil, natural oil diffusers rather than like, um, air fresheners or like, um, Febreze spray stuff. Um, so the environment, what you're eating is a big deal too. Um, obviously like if you're eating a bunch of junk that it's not good for your body and your energy levels are not on point because of what you're eating, um, that's going to affect your sexuality too. And so we'll exercise. Like I love to lift weights, um, but lifting weights actually helps to increase testosterone as well. So you have to start looking at all of these things. And then, um, the other stuff is looking at, um, what's going on with your mental and emotional state and your attitudes and ideas and beliefs around sexuality. Um, one thing that I found is that a lot of times men are fed this message that like your masculinity is defined by the strength of your erection and how much you can ejaculate and how many people you can have sex with and how often you can have sex. And that can actually be really damaging to them because if that's one of the only ways they're allowed to define their worth, then that's not them being able to be a whole person. You know, men are often told like, um, you can't, can't show your feelings. You can't have feelings. You have to be a man and, you know, be stoic and go in there and get the job done and organize and direct things. And it's like they're compartmentalized to work, you know, and then women are inundated with this, you know, Ooh, raise kids, be touchy feely, cry about everything. You know, sex is only for men. Good girls don't do this, you know? So like we're getting fed these opposite messages. And, um, so no wonder there's a disconnect, you know, um, and also within the men, I think that sexuality is one of the only ways that they are really like allowed to experience intimacy and emotion and touch and connection. Um, and so of course they gravitate towards sex, sex. That's the only way I can be accepted. That's such an interesting point that like, you know, men are given this idea that they can't express themselves um, emotionally, like you said. And so that's kind of like their one release is through sex. That's a really, yeah. you get work, sex and sports. And then if you're a dad, but that doesn't include, that's the pat on the back, you know, like if, you know, to all the men listening, like, did your father hug you and kiss you? It was usually your mom that did that. You know, you don't, and depending on your age, because I have interviewed hundreds of men and worked with hundreds of men and generationally, there's a difference in their ideas of what it means to be a man. So I noticed that men um, in their 20s or even early 30s at this point, um, they have a little bit more flexibleness with um, as far as emotion goes. And like they saw stay at home dads. If you look at the people um, like TV shows, for example, I love Modern Family. It was a great example of this generational view of masculinity, right? The the grandfather is the suck it up, good old boy, be a man. You don't have feelings. And so people usually about over 45 got those really hardcore, dark masculine messages about being a man. And then you see um, in that family, the dad who's a little more goofy and silly and, you know, tries to like be, you know, like, um, you know, 
old school, but he's like really open hearted and loves and like laughs and cries, you know, and then like the kids are just all like kind of fluid and doing their hair and like, you know, so it's interesting. Like, I love that show because it shows you like those generational views of what it means to be a man. And so I see that like within our culture and society. That's so interesting that you just said that because I literally had this discussion with my brother yesterday. So my father is 78 and he was raised in South Africa. So he's very much like, you know, was raised with this idea of being a man's man. And we were kind of talking about how he wasn't overly emotional, didn't emote much. Um, but, you know, my mother definitely is very emotional. But my father, and actually, if you guys go back and listen to my very first episode of my podcast where I interview my parents, I tell this story in full detail, tears and all. But on Valentine's Day, since yesterday was Valentine's Day, when I was a little girl, um, I was not popular. Boys didn't like me. I never got Valentine's. I was always really sad about it. And I started getting these Valentine's cards every year postmarked to my house from a secret admirer telling me how special I was and how beautiful I was. And, you know, that this person watched me and they just thought I was really great. And it was always your secret admirer. And for years, I was always like, who's that person? Who's the secret admirer trying to figure out what boy in my class was sending me these letters? And then when I got old enough, I started to realize that the ma- the writing matched my father's writing. And it was my father writing me these Valentine's cards that he would mail to the house so that I felt special on Valentine's Day. And this is coming from a man who very much good old boy, that kind of thing. And that was his, you know, he would express his love for me in little ways like that, where like he could kind of, it was almost like a joke or something a little bit deceptive. He could kind of hide behind this and he didn't have to actually come out and like cry and say, I love you and you're special to me. He could like hide behind the secret admirer thing. So um, super interesting that, that you brought that up. And, you know, I found that to be very true in my own family. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So yeah, it just shows like men, you have feelings too, and you're allowed to have feelings, all of them, not certain ones, you get to have all of them. And being a whole person, you have the capacity to, you know, to love and to hate and to cry and to experience joy and pleasure and sadness like all of the things. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. I was also thinking too, you know, when you talked about how men's worth is measured in the strength of their ejaculation, how many people you can have sex with, how you perform. Now there are some men, men that I work with in my career, um, you know, male porn performers who at least their job worth is measured in those things. Have you ever had a male sex worker come to you and how do you deal with that? Cause that's a little bit different. There's so much more pressure put on them. Ooh, yeah. So I can say I have not to my knowledge worked with any male sex workers, but um, yeah, that's totally a thing. And it's interesting. Um they're probably, you know, they're going through that on a whole nother level than like your average person would. And, um, that average person 
is trying to adhere to the standards of what this other man is performing on screen, Yeah, you know, and it's like your average person doesn't see, you know, the in-between takes the before the after they don't see what gets cut out. You know, like I always tell people that I think porn is great. It can be a wonderful tool to use. However, if you're trying to adhere to the standard of something that is made for entertainment, then like you're going to fall short because that's not the whole story. That's not the whole scene that happens. You know, like there's other stuff that's going on behind the scenes that you're not seeing. And this is for your entertainment. You know, this doesn't mean that every single experience is going to be like, you know, the, the perfect angle and the perfect shot and the, you know, that is a performance. That's what that job is. It's a performance. But in your real life, it's a co-created experience. And so when we're with our partners or with a partner trying to do some performance, like we're not being ourselves. So how can we access our pleasure and how can we experience pleasure if we're trying to act? And that's where the erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation, well, that's where all those things come in is because you're not in touch with your body. You're going back up in your head and you're trying to like go through the motions and like, oh, I'm supposed to do this. And then they're supposed to do that. And my body's supposed to do this. And now it's supposed to do that. And like, that's not how it is in a real experience. Yeah. And, you know, there's, I mean, obviously one of the things that I, one of the messages I get a lot is like, I want to be a porn star and I think I can do it and and that kind of thing. And, you know, I try to explain to guys like this is, a really hard job and the men that can do it are kind of like a fluke. Like it is not normal that you should be able to perform in the way that these male performers do. And just because you can't be a porn star, like you couldn't make it in that, that doesn't mean that you're not a, a sexual being. It doesn't mean that you're not good in bed. It doesn't mean that you don't satisfy your partner. It has, it doesn't reflect on your sexual abilities at all. Like these, these guys are like sexual athletes. Like this is not, this is not real life. And you shouldn't be, um, you know, look like trying to bring yourself up to the standard of, of what you see in porn. And, and, you know, I think that we are, are faced with this issue so much more now because of the internet, because porn is so accessible because so many um, young people do access porn before they should. Do you come across um, clients who, who compare themselves to porn stars and, and, and maybe who watch too much porn and that uh, affects their performance issues because they think that they're supposed to be like Manuel Ferrar or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, What I found is that um, there's a whole generation that has used porn for sex education, which is the worst place that you could get a sex education, you know? Um, And a lot of these, um, this generation is so overexposed that they it's like, they're like, what else is there? You know, I've seen it all, you know, and I've worked with people that, yeah, they're on there watching it 12 hours a day, jerking off and then wonder why they can't get an erection when they're with a real person. Like there's absolutely no turn on. They don't even notice when a a real girl is attracted to them 
because they're so shut down and shut off from interaction with a real person. So obviously that's an extreme case. But my point is, is that we're creatures of habit. And so how we program ourselves is how our body is going to respond. So if, you know, porn and self-pleasure is your go-to and your 80 to 90% way that you experience arousal and pleasure, then of course, when you go into a situation with a real person, there's not, nothing is going to happen because you programmed yourself this way. And so, and that's what I'm saying. Like it can be a healthy expression. However, if this becomes your go-to and your only patterning, then that's, you're going to be your pattern. So it has to do with breaking that pattern. It's like reprogramming your body to experience sensation and to communicate with a person and to want to please them. Um, in my experience, there's a lot of men that are like, oh, I want you to have an orgasm. I'm going to make you have an orgasm. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm sitting there thinking, it doesn't really sound like you, you're, you're not asking me what brings me pleasure. Like you're just trying to do something to me because it's making you feel better. Like you're a man or like, Oh, I can, I can do this. This is my self-worth and I'm, I'm a pleaser and I'm, I'm going to do this. But you didn't ask me what I liked. You didn't ask me how to facilitate an orgasm. Like there was nothing about that. Yeah. So it was more about like his badge of honor by right. being able to do his accomplishment by making you make an orgasm less right. than it is about your actual orgasm. Exactly. And because they see this on these videos, they think, oh, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do all these things that I just saw and she's going to scream and she's going to have this huge orgasm and squirt all over the place and X, Y, Z. And then when that doesn't happen, then they're like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. But they failed to ask their partner, what do they actually like? And what do they actually want? And I've had all different kinds of orgasms, crying orgasms, laughing orgasms, silent orgasms, screaming orgasms, shaking orgasm, like all of them. And so I think that a lot of times men will see, you know, this screaming crazy orgasm and they miss out on what an actual orgasm can look like and all the different other types of ways that we experience orgasms. So that's what I'm saying. Like, this is not a performance here. This is not something you're doing to someone. It's a co-created experience. Like it's two people coming together and creating something amazing. Yeah. You know, one of the topics that has come up quite a few times on my podcast that people seem to be really fascinated by, and that is quite controversial, is the whole squirting orgasm, which you you just mentioned. And I had Carla Cush on, and she, she's somebody who squirts a lot. And she even talked about like the pressures of being a squirter and how everybody wants her to squirt in every scene. And we were kind of talking about, you know, why do men love squirting scenes? And I think it's because it's that physical manifestation of the orgasm because, you know, women don't ejaculate the way that men do. And so if a woman squirts, it's like, you know, oh, I can see that I made this achievement. You know, you can't fake a squirting orgasm, right? So it's interesting that you, you bring that up because, yeah, it does seem like there's a lot of like, it's like unlocking an achievement by making Yeah, it is. Orgasm. And honestly, like, I can squirt and not have an orgasm. I can be in an orgasmic state and I'm experiencing orgasmic energy, 
but that's not like the peak of my orgasmic experience, you know? And so they're like, oh yeah, you squirted. So you, I'm like, no, I, I'm not done. Like that was just something that I just did. Like, I, no, <laughs> you know, that was not my I've orgasm. I've had guys try so hard to make me squirt, which I can't really do. And sometimes I get to the point where I'm like, I'm just going to piss all over you. So you leave me alone. Right. Leave me alone. Because, like, <laughs> Yeah, it's a performance anxiety thing too, which is, you know, what guys get is performance anxiety. So yeah, it's like when you have these like preconceived notions or ideas that you think you're supposed to be being like, it makes it even worse. So part of, I think, solving a lot of the ED stuff and PE stuff is removing the importance of it. And that's why Tantra is great because we're learning to experience orgasmic energy flowing through us in all different ways beyond penetrative sex. And once you learn how to have orgasms and, you know, give orgasms um, beyond penetrative sex, it takes the pressure off of having an ejaculation or and having an erection. So it's like, if you're not thinking about it, it's more likely to happen, you know? And it's like, um, It's like you get stuck in this pendulum of, oh, no, is it going to happen? Oh, no, you know, it's, you know, it it can't happen again. So you're like so worried about it happening that it happens. Or you're like, okay, it's not going to happen again. We're going to do it this time. And and it's going to, you know, and then you're on the other end of the the pendulum and you're still fucking it up. You know, it's like you need to remove the importance and be in the present moment and be in your body and be connected to your partner to experience energy and orgasm and pleasure. And then your body will, it'll naturally start responding. But when you're so worked up about what you think it's supposed to be or what you want it to be, or don't want it to be like, you're focusing on what you don't want, which means that's exactly what you're going to get. Yeah. It's all about like redefining what the sexual experience is. Yeah, it's redefining orgasm, it's redefining pleasure, it's redefining sex. Yeah. All right, we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we are going to talk about sobriety and sex. So hang tight, guys. We'll be right back. You guys, I'm so excited about my new sponsor because these people are very near and dear to my heart. They've been one of my main clients, if not my main client, for like over the past 10 years. I'm talking, of course, about Twisties and they're sponsoring my podcast now and I'm so thrilled. If you didn't know, Twisties is the ultimate site for lesbian and girl-girl scenes. It explores your deepest and sexiest fantasies. I've been producing for Twisties for years, like I said, and honestly, I can say it's some of the work I have been the most proud of and the most excited to share with the world. Twisties has been creating the hottest glamour porn for over 18 years with the top names in the industry, now exclusively streaming girl-girl content. Their scenes showcase the most recognizable models working with the best fresh faces, making waves in adult entertainment. Twisties Treat of the Months feature exclusive content and videos produced by me, highlighting the hottest girls of the moment letting them show off what makes them so addicting. Treat of the Months have included Gina Valentina, Alina Lopez, Emily Willis, Desiree Dolce, Demi Sutra, and Twisty's current Treat of the Year, Molly Stewart. 
To unwrap the hottest treats and mouthwatering scenes, visit twisties.com or you can find them on Twitter at twisties and on Instagram at twisties treats. Hello, everybody. We are back. So we are going to talk about two of my favorite topics, sobriety and sex. And Stacy's going to mash them both together. Um, so you work with people who are in recovery and trying to redefine the sexual experience sober, which is something that I can definitely relate to. Um, a lot of you guys know my history, but I had a severe, severe drinking problem. Um, I got sober in 2008 for seven years. I relapsed, um, struggled to get sober again, took me about four and a half years and I'll have three years in June, God willing. And, um, yeah, I found that when I was drinking, you know, a big part of my self-identification was, you know, being this kind of, um, manipulative, uh, heart, I fashioned myself like a heartbreaker, you know, and I would date a lot of different men and I'd of course sleep with a lot of different men. And a lot of times I'd black out and I don't even remember what the sex was. I was always told it was very aggressive sexually though, when I was, when I was drunk. And, um, so when I got sober, I remember one of my greatest fears was like, how am I going to have sex sober? Like, how is this going to happen? I don't understand. I don't know how to do this. It's not going to feel the same. Like I need that kind of that buffer between like a real intimate experience. Um, because I guess I'm, I'm afraid of intimacy, which might be a big reason why I was drinking. So how do you approach this, uh, problem with newly sober people. Mm, thank you for sharing part of your journey. Um, yeah, I identify with that. How do I step into pleasure without the use of drugs or alcohol? Um, and I identify with the vulnerability piece. So for me, it was way easier to have a sexual experience and keep the emotion separate than it was for me to emotionally connect with someone. Like that was way more terrifying, you know, <laughs> we can have sex all day, but I'm not going to share my feelings with you and you cannot have my heart, you know, you get one or the other and that's it. Um, so yeah, I totally get that. And uh, for me, this has been a journey into like recoveries about rediscovering myself. It's about redefining myself. It's about reconnecting with my spirit, reconnecting with my body, remembering who I am. So I do a lot of like breath movement and sound with people and a lot of practices to help to start to step back into your body because drugs and alcohol disconnect you from the physical sensations in your body. So, um, yeah, I know when I was using, I would be, um, I could tolerate a lot more intense sensation and I would need more intense sensation to feel anything in the first place because my body was like numbed out. And I was, I would absolutely, um, you know, get off on like a power control situation or manipulation situation rather than being in a connective space with someone. So, um, yeah, I'm a completely different person, sober and clean than I was using or an active addiction. And so, um, yeah, it's about getting back into your body and learning to experience body sensations. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Because when I was drinking, you know, I was really into like rough sex and I had a BDSM relationship with somebody when I was drinking and, um, I, you know, we do some pretty, I mean, not like crazy extreme things, but you know, like very physical, very intense, um, you know, spanking, uh, flogging, uh, I got caned once, which I did not like, and, you know, choking and that kind of stuff. And, and I, and I kind of relished in all of that. And then when I got sober, I, I thought I was still that person who was really into like crazy, intense, rough sex. And then like, I started to discover that like, I, I wasn't that into it when I was sober and I became very confused about my sexual identity. It was like, wait, what do I like? I thought I was this person who liked really like rough, crazy sex. And now that I'm sober, I'm finding I'm actually like enjoying like more vanilla sex. And can I redefine what I like, you know, in sobriety? Like it was very confusing for me. Yeah. A lot of people say it's like, um, I feel like a virgin all over again. And that was one of my big fears. Like, am I going to like what I used to like? Am I going to feel comfortable like with doing what I did before? And, um, yeah, I had to give myself permission to go on that journey and get honest with myself about, you know, what, what's pleasurable to me. And I didn't know at that point, I was like, I don't even know because what I used to find pleasurable, like I don't anymore, like my definition of fun was like partying, you know? And so if that's not what I'm doing anymore, what does fun mean to me now? You know, what is pleasure to me? And that's one reason why I love the erotic blueprints is because it breaks it down into five different blueprints and it's basically the language of arousal and pleasure. So it's like the five love languages, but for sex. So it gave me a way to start experiencing um, different types of touch and different types of sensation in my body. And it gave me a way to to describe it and to, to say what it is and to figure out what it is that I like. And then the other piece to that journey was, okay, well, now that I'm figuring out what I like, how do I allow myself to receive that? Like, how do I ask for that? And how do I allow myself to receive? So it gave me a language to be able to express what my sexual needs and desires and even like boundaries are with a person and to where I could get my needs met. And then I could also meet my partner's needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like relearning everything all over again, but I guess we never really learned it in the first place. Right. We kind of just let the the tide just kind of wash us along and we just did whatever felt right in the moment or whatever we thought we were supposed to do. You know, I thought I was like edgy. And even now, like, it's funny, you know, being like hosting a sex podcast and working in the adult industry, there's a part of me that feels kind of ashamed to like admit I kind of enjoy like vanilla sex now. You know, it's like most people on the, they're on the opposite spectrum. They're like, Oh, I'd be ashamed to admit that I was really kinky or into like this kind of stuff and BDSM. And I'm like, I'm ashamed to admit that I like have really like normal sexual desires. And I kind of like, like vanilla sex and I'm not really into crazy shit. Like, does that make me really boring? (laughs) No, it doesn't. And I kind of have a theory on this because so there's different stages, right. In, in sex and we could be, in like 
a long term, like a phase for months or years even, or we could be in a moment by moment phase. But there's like a resting state, which is like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm good right now. I'm, I don't really have a lot of crazy desire or whatever. Like I'm just kind of resting right now. And there's a healing state. So maybe you're physically healing, like from having a baby or a surgery, or you're emotionally healing from something or psychologically healing. So you're still kind of, you know, recalibrating yourself. And then there's an, a, um, a curious state where you're like, hmm, I want to know about this. What does that BDSM mean? What is this flogging about? You know, like, tell me more about this squirting here. And so it's like you do all this research and watch all this stuff and talk to people. And then you get to this adventurous state where you're like, okay, let's go do it. Let's do it all, right? And then you go off on this adventure and you do all of the things. And then there's another stage called transformational, where it's like, okay, look, man, I've been there and I've done that. And it was great and a nice time. But like, what else is there? Like, what is I want this transcendent spiritual experience and deep connection with someone? And what does that look like? How do I get that? So I think it's just a matter of being in different states or stages. Like as we go through life, you can float through all of them. But um, I have found that people who were very sexually repressed or had a lot of sexual shame and guilt. Yeah, they want to go off on this adventure and experience all of the things because they were never allowed to. Right. And for me, and like, what I'm hearing you say is that like, I've done all of the things. I had all these experiences. And so I mean, it's cool. And I can go do this again, if I wanted to. And like, I don't have this burning desire to rush out and do all this because I've been there and I've done that. And like, maybe this, you know, really deep connected and like emotionally connective space is a new space for me. So I say like the emotional, um, the emotional connection and the emotional vulnerability, like that's my next frontier, you know, that's like really deep, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, thank you so much, Stacey, for coming on. I feel like we all learned so much today. Can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Sure. You can find me on Instagram at sexcoach underscore Stacey Cedro. And my website is holisticprogressions.com. Fantastic. Thank you again for your time. And you guys can find me at Instagram and Twitter at Holly Randall. Um, hollyrandallunfiltered.com is the website for this podcast. And of course, if you want to support my show, join me at patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. Stacey, again, thank you so much for enlightening us. And thank you guys for listening. And I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my show and want to support it, I ask that you take the time to rate and review my podcast. Now, if you're not sure how to do that, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash HRU, and you'll automatically be directed to the various podcast apps your device supports, and then be led to the place where you can rate my show. Five stars, of course, and leave your glowing review. Okay, it doesn't have to be glowing, but you know, say something nice. You can also financially support this show through my Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered, where you get so many perks for your support. 
things such as early releases and live recordings of my interviews, merchandise such as stickers, mugs, and hoodies, autographed copies of my photography books, free access to my private Snapchat and not safe for work website, hollyrandall.com, and my bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life. Also, join my Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Holly Randall Unfiltered, and you can watch the video versions of these interviews at youtube.com slash Holly Randall Unfiltered. Oh, and of course, sign up for my newsletter at hollyrandallunfiltered.com and get all the info on upcoming guests and special projects. Again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting my podcast in whatever way that you can.